Well, good morning. Good to be in church. I'm, your, I'm the replacement again today. Pastor's away. It's good for him to get a bit of a break and hope he's feeling well soon if he's watching. Someone asked me this uh, yesterday, was I going to do a dad joke because it's been a little while since I've done one. So I thought I'd get it out of the way first up. Right, so I arrived home yesterday and I'd noticed that my kids, uh, Tim and Caitlin, had been on eBay all day. So if they're there tomorrow, I think I might lower the price. <laughs> okay, that's one of the better ones I've got. And, and that's all. You only got one, and that will do. All right. I'm going to pray, ask God to help me as we get into this this morning. Lord, thank you for um, the opportunity to be, to be in church, and I just ask for your help and, and, and your guidance as we look in to the subject and the verses that uh, you laid upon my heart. May you use it to be a help and encouragement to those that are here this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the passage that Jill read kind of reflects what we're going to talk about today. I'm not going to really uh, go into that particular passage, uh, I guess, that much, but it does give you an understanding as we go through what we're trying to achieve this morning. I've done a little bit of reading this week um, about history and about different empires who were either great or successful at, at their time and why they ceased to be so great at those certain times. Around about the, I guess in the Middle Ages that I would call them, around about 1000 um, AD, the Roman Empire had built itself to be one of the main powers of its time. It had gained control over many areas and gained in wealth. Their strength became, uh, became because of their armies. Now, one can never get uh, too complacent because the very thing that made them strong, the wealth and then their armies, was, was the very thing that was their undoing. As Rome grew, its elites became wealthier and separated the classes between the people, pushing the poorer families to the outer fringe of the kingdom. The elites, now filled with money, decided to keep their taxes for themselves to become even more wealthier, which put the empire in financial jeopardy. The outer fringe dwellers, being forced to pay more taxes to cover the shortfall, gained strength as they banded together against the city, which ultimately led to Rome's downfall of rule. The deciding factor for many kingdoms, either succeeding or failing, is their unity became the downfall of their society. Interestingly, the unity of the poor gave them victories against their oppressors, but ultimately contributed to the downfall of the whole. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 25, it says that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Unity is a powerful thing in any institution and we as a church need to learn this very thing. Unity or the lack of it can be the very success or downfall of the greatest institution, even the best laid out church. So what is unity? If you look at the dictionary, it just states it's the, it's the quality or state of not being multiple. Or, or the quality or state of being one, single, whole, or the same. 
Now, this is very important for the church, but it doesn't mean as a church we have to, uh, that we have no say or opinion, but that we should rather have a Philippians 2 verse 2 mindset where it says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. For the church, that is the true idea of unity. Church isn't a dictatorship. We don't tell you what you have to do. We're not insensitive to the needs and opinions of other people, but we do agree to move forward as one for the cause of Christ. That is, the, I guess, the truth for unity for Good Shepherd Baptist Church, that we be like-minded, having the same love, that's the same love for Christ, being of one accord and of one mind. And today I, I, I want to talk with you a little bit about the power of unity, the power of unity. And thus, I, I asked Jill to read that 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the body, us being different members. But we all make up one body and we all have a part to play. I'm going to have a look at three different things this morning. And this, this particular message started a few weeks ago within our life groups. And then when Pastor asked us to pray, uh, well, asked us to preach while he was away, this started to come up. And then he actually touched on this two weeks ago and I thought, don't go any further because you're going to steal what I want to say. But it obviously was, was on his mind as well. And um, uh, I guess it just kind of, I guess, complements what he was saying. So we're talking about unity this morning. Unity, I, I guess, for us as a whole, it, it will be my focus although we, we, we will be talking collectively unity in any sort of, um, I guess, institution. So the first thing I want you to mention today uh, uh, about unity, or I want you to notice, is that unity is strength. Unity is strength. Let's take a look in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we were looking at this particular passage in our life groups a few weeks ago, which was a great blessing. It was actually... Very encouraging, very informative, and, and, and I guess this kind of got me thinking. We were looking at one particular point, and this kind of got me thinking about, about unity as, as believers. So Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to read from verse 22 to verse 25. Actually, we'll go back to verse 20. It says, By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to revoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The first thing I think about with our unity being strength is that as a church or as a body of Christ, there is a collective focus. There is a collective focus. For each one of us individually, I've seen verse 22, says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So the Bible says that we are individually supposed to draw near to God. That's our individual 
thing that we're supposed to do. Now, if each one of us have that same mind that, that are, if, we're, if we are like-minded, if we're all of one accord, we're all the same of one love, keeping in mind the thought of, of, of the definition of unity, it's not being multiple, it's being singular, it's being true, it's being one, then each one of us should have that same mindset. That each one of us, with our relationship to Christ, we're supposed to draw nigh unto God. As we individually do that, I don't know about you, but as we, or, or, or myself, as I take time to get closer to God, a lot of those things that would normally annoy me from other people, they seem to get in the background. They aren't the main focal thing. We, from time to time, have either disagreements with people or maybe, or maybe even a difference of opinion with people. But when we draw nigh to God, when we take the time to get closer to God individually, and we all do that, our focus then is now on Christ and not on everyone else. So within unity, there is strength because there is a collective focus. The Bible says in verse 20 that we, when we do trust Christ as our saviour, there is now a new and living way which he, which he hath consecrated for us. We're now in a new walk with Christ. Our, our main focus, individually and collectively, is that we're now supposed to draw near with a true heart unto God. Full assurance, we can go in before him, we, we can pray. And our collective focus now brings us closer to God, but we're now being one, of one mind. We're now starting to draw closer uh, together. If you seek God about what his will is for your life, if you seek God and his word, if you seek God and decide to start praying, if you seek God and, and start helping other people, and we all do that, do you think the little things that used to bother us, do you think they'll really bother us anymore? Because our focus is now, each, each and individually, we're on Christ. And believe it or not, that brings strength unto the local body. So the first thing is, I notice a collective focus. But then the second thing in verse 23 is I notice a combined fastening. The Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. The thing and the point that really got me here was the illustration that Brother Phil used in this particular verse. And this is, I guess, what got me thinking about the strength within unity, holding fast. We use the illustration that Within life, there are storms that come by. And these storms, they batter us around. And as we draw near to God, and as we focus on him, we can start to hold fast. And it was like we used the illustration of a rope tied uh, to the edge of the dock. And we're tied fast unto Christ. And as the storms blow, we may get battered around, but we're holding fast. And, and that rope attached to the dock, holds us in place. Then I started to think a little bit about unity and within the context of what we're talking about because of the verses to follow, did you know that as a church, as we hold fast to Christ, each one of us become like a strand of that rope for, for each other? So as my brothers and sisters collectively focus upon God and they start to have an input into my life, and we're all of one mind and of one accord, as we knit together, just like a rope, and we're fastened to Christ, and you have my back, and I have your back, 
and we're praying one for another and we're of the same mind and we're loving one another and we're doing the things because we're drawing nearer to God, when the big things of life come, each one of us are bound together and we are now unified and we're strengthened one another. And I thought that was a great picture. And I'm glad, especially over this last few weeks, I'm forging some, some friendships and some strengths with some brothers here in the church. Those of us who will, just during the week, will drop a line praying for you, thinking of you. Um, for me, just dropping a, um, the odd joke here and there, just, to, I guess, to keep it light. But, but we're watching out for one another. We're letting each other know that we are praying. And without even knowing it, for my rope that I'm fastened with Christ, that is now a little bit stronger. Because on my own, I can't face the battles of life. I can do it in Christ, but I know when there's a fastening of the rope, individual strands bound together, no matter how hard or or how strong that storm is, I have unity within the local church. Those who can help me, those who can get me through, and there's a combined fastening. In... um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we read, it talked in verse 22, it mentions that, uh, oh, better just get the right wording, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 22, it talks about the, the, talks about the feeble parts. Um, it says, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble, there are, there, there are going to be people here who may not have the dominant or the prominent position on stage, and they may seem that their position in the church may not be as, that it may seem to be not as important as others. The Bible says that even those positions and those people of the church are necessary. We, each one of us, no matter what we do here in the local church, are necessary for the binding, for the strengthening of the body of Christ to Christ, but for each other. So verse 23 to me talks about a combined fastening. Then I go on to verse 24 and it talks about a, a considered friendship. A considered friendship. It says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The Bible actually says, as brothers and sisters of a local church, we are supposed to look out for each other. And that's where I talk about the rope. We're actually supposed to consider one another. We're supposed to have a look. We're supposed to watch. And there's two things, and, and there's a double-sided coin there. The first thing, we need to care enough to actually look. Do you care enough about your brothers and sisters in, in church that you actually take the time to, I guess, to focus, uh, to stop focusing on what your life represents and what you're doing in life, but will you take the time to at least consider what's going on in your brothers' and sisters' lives? Consider. And the only way you're going to know what's going on is if you spend some time praying for them, talking with them, fellowshipping with them, and as we get to know one another, we can actually start to see things, areas where that brother or sister may be having a struggle. And then the other side of the coin is we need to let people in. We need to let people consider. We need to let people tell us and talk with us and and pray with us. And sometimes as, as men, we find that difficult because we think we're men, we can stand, we don't need anybody, we can just do it. But I'm finding I can't. I'm finding a a need other input of other men in my life. And ladies, you need the input of other ladies in your life. And, and, as, we, and as we grow together, we need that people considering one another. And then verse 25, a consistent fellowship. Consistent 
a fellowship. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The way the church continues to grow and to stand and to multiply and be strong is to be in church. Not just so we can tick a number that we had 200 people or 100 people or however many it is. It's not about numbers. It's that you get to be part of what the church is doing. You get to be collectively hearing what the preacher has to say, what pastor has to say. Now, we're just filling in today and, and last week. Pastor should be back next week, Lord willing. But he's the one that's teaching. He's the one that's hearing from God and, 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 and working within the local church to lead it and to guide it to where it's going to go. If you miss church, you may miss something vital that God wanted for you to hear. When you're not at church, that I remember I, I said there are people who I'm, I'm now ex, uh, expanding fellowship with, growing in my, I guess, in my network of strength. If they're not here, I may have just needed their interaction today. What if they're not here? I might miss out. They might miss out. It's very, very important for the strength of unity that we, re, that we attend church as much as possible. Now, if you're sick, I understand that. If you're away on holiday, I understand that. But it shouldn't be, ah, oh, something's on television today, I really want to watch it. Or I, I really want to go to the footy today. Or, I need to, the, the sun's out, I'm going to go to the beach at 10.30 on Sunday morning. That's my focus. Something wrong there. We need to have that consistent fellowship to grow. So unity, number one, but that's just point number one, I've got, I've got two more. Unity is strength. You've got to understand that. Unity is strength. And our church right now needs some unity. It needs some strengthening. I don't know about you, but I've, I've seen some things happen over these last six months or so that ha- uh, there's been some things happen that, that may look strange, but there's been some growth and some strengthening even in the midst of that. And I look forward to what God is going to do even through that and even further. So the first thing, unity is strength. The second thing, unity is sweet. Unity is sweet. Let's have a look in Psalm 133, verse 1. There are some verses that are well known that that talk about unity. And this one is just nice and simple. If you know me, I like simple things. Psalm 133, verse 1. I'm going to read the, the, all three verses. There's three verses. Behold, how good and how pleasant. So there's the sweetness. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the beard that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the Jew of Hermon and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Unity is sweet. How, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, we're brethren, to dwell together. Now, we don't live in the same house, but we fellowship and we minister within the house of God. We do that collectively together. 
Now, when we do it with unity, being of the same mind, the same, uh, being of one accord, when we do it like that, it becomes very good and pleasant and it becomes a sweetness. Now, in the other two verses, it gives a bit of a description and I, I tried to do a bit of, I guess, for my own understanding what it's talking about there. It talks about the precious ointment and if you were to read in, in Exodus chapter 30, there are some verses where, where God tells, um, tells Moses to, uh, to make uh, some ointment out of specific spices and he was to blend that together, he was, he, he was to put that together into an ointment and then he was supposed to anoint Aaron the priest for the ministry that God wants him to do and the whole purpose for that is that God would be pleased in that and God would add his blessing upon that particular ministry and God was in that. That was God's way. God wanted the priest to be anointed with this special ointment and what God is saying is when we as a church, when brethren we dwell together in unity, it is, that is God's way and God, it, God is happy and God is pleased with that because he wants to put his anointing on it and God wants to put his blessing upon a church who dwell together in unity. I want you to think about a family uh, that's in turmoil. Who's ever had siblings fight within a family? I'm sure we can probably testify at some stage, brothers against brother, brother against sister. I remember when I was growing up, I was the middle brother. We had three, we had three boys. I don't know what it's like to have a sister, but I had an older brother and a younger brother. Guess who was the one that was picked on every single time? Little old munchkin me, little Paul. He was the one that was in the middle. The big one would pick on me. The little one would, would like what the older brother's doing, and I would seem to get picked on. And, and, and often there were clashes. Now, unfortunately, when families get older now, I'm not saying this is me anymore, but, but some families especially when it comes to inheritances and money, things can become very nasty and there can be complications. Within those families, when those things that go on, do you think, there's, do you think the family is good and, and pleasant and sweet? No. When families that are against each other, there's no unity, there's no harmony, there's no pleasantness, there's no goodness in it. And I don't believe God's blessing is it upon it. So when there's a church that is, has, has some disunity to it, when people either have their own agendas, people have their own thoughts, people have their own uh, decisions and they're working towards, uh, uh, they may be fighting with one another, ultimately as a church there is no goodness, there's no, there's no pleasantness in it. There is no sweetness. That's not God's way. And there is no blessing upon that church because there's no unity. Where God says, just like the ointment that was put on Aaron, that's what unity's like and that's my way and I want to bless that. Now, Pastor mentioned a couple of weeks ago a little bit on music, so I'm going to ask Lisa to come up now for me. I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he hadn't even mentioned it, but I want to give you a bit of an example I was going to get singers up, but I decided against it. So we're just going to use the piano today. I want you to think about music and how music can be sweet. It can be good. But I want to try and demonstrate how there are different parts to music and how they effectively work 
in the sound of the music, the quality of the music, and what can be done with music, and I'm going to try my best to kind of illustrate this in some way. So I've asked Lisa to play uh, just one line or phrase of, of a song in just the normal melody line. I want you to see if you can pick what song it is. So just the one note. Everyone know what that song it is? Jesus paid it all. That was one note. Did that sound nice? You could sing to that? I could. Now, once you think about when we have, we would call it the melody line or the soprano line, whatever you want to call it, that's the main part of the song. Once you think about church, and I'm I'm going to do my best, please give me a little bit of um, um, liberality here. Within the church, there are always going to be the main things of the church that people are going to see, the preaching, maybe the singing, maybe those, uh, those ministries that make up the focal points of the church. And I'm going to say that that will be the melody line. That's what people will see. That's what we normally sing. You know what church is about. Now, if you can add in into the second part, and this is, this is the alto part. So this is where the, the ladies would come in and they would complement the first line. So I put them together now. Right, so now we've added in another part, another maybe another side of ministry. These are the ministries that might complement the main ministries of the church. We're now adding in maybe some of the Sunday school, some of the youth group, some of the teaching ministries, some of the maybe some of the other music ministries. Together, they added another dimension to the sound of the song. Right, you can still sing to it. It's now it's now it's starting to sound a little bit more fuller. Now we're gonna. Now we're going to add what we would call the tenor part. This is the higher part that the men would sing. Now when you add in the tenor part, this is the part of the church that no one really wants to do. Sorry, tenors. But I, but I thought maybe like the lawn mowing and, and maybe some cleaning ministries and, and different things where... But no one really wants to do those. You know? No one really wants to sing tenor in the choir, right? They all wish that they were bass singers. But you can see the need for that sound. It now adds another dimension of the music. It's the, the, um, the quality of the music is starting to now sound uh, a lot fuller. It's now starting to sound a little bit better. Now the church in itself is now starting to function greater People can see what's happening. They can see we now have a clean church. We now have uh, a focus on, on, on maybe food. We're having teaching. We're having preaching. And now we're going to add in the bass part. You, you, I want you to notice the difference now with the bass is added. Now when you add that bass in, doesn't it sound really good now? Doesn't it sound like a real song? And I'm going to say, look, for the church, when you add that fourth bit in, if you were to add that bass into a song, it now gives it some depth. It now gives it some quality of sound. And what I'm going to say is that this last part of ministry, this is a very important ministry, and that which underpins everything, and this is prayer. And this is where the deepness gets into our church and 
I guess, unifies everything together. I want you to understand that each individual part is unique to itself. The melody line is probably the focal line. If we were just to play the, the bass notes on their own, they would probably sound like you wouldn't want to sing just the bass notes. And I think this is what Pastor mentioned. If we were to play just the bass notes, you probably wouldn't want to sing just bass in church. But when they're added together to everything else, it adds a quality of sound. And to the hearer, that sounds unified. That sounds like something I want to be part of. When you hear the choir sing and, and, and the small group sing, I hope you kind of um, hear the fullness of what we're trying to portray. Because in choir, we have often four parts that we sing to, and then in some notes, there's five and six parts. There are other people singing extra parts again to give a fullness of sound. And when the choir sings, it's not just to shine on one part, but that we're all collectively trying to portray a thought within the song, a sound within the song, and then obviously to build the message that the song is trying, trying to deliver. Oh, thank you, Lisa. So unity within the church, you have an individual part to play. No matter what your, no matter what your part of the body is in Christ, your part is very important. Your part, if you, again, remembering to draw near to Christ, having one mind, being of one accord, if you do the part that you know you can do, that God has either called you to do or God is allowing you to participate in, if you do that with the, with the one focus, you position yourself to help the church be unified. And as you do that, you make the unity of the church good and pleasant and sweet before God. If Lisa was to play a wrong note in there, if she was to play completely the wrong notes on one part that, that weren't in the arrangement of music, you would soon know that something's not right. And when we're not doing our part wholeheartedly and, and focused on Christ, all it takes is one member or two members or three if they've gotten together to be, to be noticed that there is something wrong with the unity of the church. The church is not functioning correctly. There's division. There's a problem. There's concerns. And ultimately, it shows that our focus is not on Christ. It's now on the things that we think. And I guess that draws me to the, to the third point and, and the final point is that unity is selflessness. Unity is selflessness. We can't be unified if we're full of self. It's impossible. Let's have a look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 10 to 12. <clears throat> now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. That sounds like a unified church, yeah? That's pretty clear. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. 
It should be a unified church, but it's been reported that there are contentions, there's some problems. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul. Hey, please don't be of me. All right? I've always wanted to say that. No. Uh, some are saying, I'm of Paul. And others saying, hey, I'm of, a, I'm of, of Apollos. And I of Cephas. And some say, and I of Christ. A church can be divided and, and can be following after either individual people, those that may have some influence, those, those who, who, who may uh, seem to be more positive than others, and we can be divided amongst our church and we might say, who do I want to follow? Who do I think I want to spend some time with? And I'm going to follow that person. I'm going to follow that person because they teach better. You might even think, do you mind... I like his preaching better than pastors. Have you ever thought about that? We might, some of you may not even like my teaching or, or, or my preaching. You might not like my dad jokes. Shame on you. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not me that you've got to like. It's the word of God that you're hopefully, that you're intently listening to. Deciding on, listening to, weighing up, is that what the word of God says? And if it is, then follow what the Bible says. It's not, you're not following a person. You're not following an influence. You're not following those with more money. You're not following those who are more musically talented. You're following Christ. And we're supposed to be joined together. We're supposed to be of one mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ, for I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for, here, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are ye yet, sorry, neither, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Apostle Paul goes on to say, look, there are divisions among you. You're supposed to be unified, but there are some of you that are divided because you're following after other people and you're not focused on Christ. And then he goes on to say, this sort of activity within the church is carnal. It's fleshly. It's not of Christ. And it really reveals the spiritual state that you're in. It says you're still a baby in Christ. I want to teach you more things. I want to give you stronger meat. I want to teach you more about God, but I can't because you can't receive it yet, because you're still carnal, because of those divisions. And when we're full of self and what we want and what we think and what we want to follow and I want to have my voice heard in the church, it's really revealing the carnality of my spiritual life. I'm still a baby in Christ. I haven't really learnt enough to move on to the next stage of my Christian growth. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 3. Almost done. 1 Peter chapter 3.
verse 8, it says, finally, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Part of our unity, the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to be of one mind, but then it kind of goes on to how you, instead of being having divisions within the church, the way to overcome that is to not be full of self, but be selfless, have some compassion one of another. Instead of thinking about me and my rights and, and what I want, Think about what other people are going through. What, what are they dealing with? How are they handling these things? Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Don't render evil for evil. If, if someone's giving you a hard time, don't just... Our first reaction when, when, when someone says negatively anything to us, man, I don't know about you, but my flesh wants to retaliate. I just want to give it back. That's our natural carnal man. That's what we want to do. That's me being self-willed. It says, don't render evil for evil or railing for railing. If, if there's words going on, stay right out of it. I mean, many times I've had to try and bite my tongue physically. Physically want to hold it and say, don't say anything back. Just let it go. Railing, but, but contrary-wise, instead of having all these things, show some blessing. But rather... Contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that that's what you're called to do and when you do these things, guess what? God wants to bless you. You shall inherit a blessing. So church, as a finish, I guess I just felt challenged, I guess, a little bit about our church as a whole and its unification. I believe God's doing something right now within our church. There's been a lot... We discussed it, um, some of the men discussed how God seems to be moving and, and growing and, and, and things are starting to happen. People are still getting saved. People are still getting baptised. But we need to make sure that we're unified, one mind, one accord, that we're drawing close to Christ. That's our each collective individual, but as a whole collective focus so we don't get full of self. That we don't do what I want, but what does God want me to do for the local church or through the local church? And if we can band together, not only is it good and pleasant and sweet to be part of, but I believe it's good, pleasant and sweet for God to see that. Because God says, that's what I instituted. That's what I want to put my blessing on. If you want God to bless your life, then you should want God to bless the church because you're part of this church. So don't expect God to bless you if you're just off doing your own thing. I don't care what anyone else says. If you want God's blessing, make sure you're part of God blessing the church and watch what God will do there. All right, I'm going to leave it there. I hope that was um, worth something for you to think on and meditate on. I'm going to finish in prayer and then... I believe Caleb will come and finish in a song. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for what your word describes very clearly for us about being unified. And I pray that as a church, we would think about this and take it to heart. And may you uh, speak to each one of us in whatever way that you've chosen to this morning. I thank you for our church and I, I thank you for what you continue to do. And I pray for myself that I would be committed to focusing on my walk so that I can be used of you in this church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.